Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grabs that tape. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, just Ryan McDowell. No Matt Price this week, buddy. It's just the two of us. Just us. We're missing our buddy Matt and uh, and all of his Dynasty takes. We'll we'll try to fill in for him, though, as, as best we yeah, can. Yeah, we, maybe we should say something off the wall. Something out of left field, just in honor of Matt. I've got some some trade uh, trade finder data for him that he would normally have, so we'll okay. we'll share that. Yeah. Okay. Great, Matt. I know you're listening. Hey, buddy. Uh, we are going to do our best, as Ryan said, to fill in for Mr. Price. We'll go through all these Week 15 matchups as we always do, try to identify the most important thing that happened in the game from a dynasty perspective. And we might as well start with the Thursday game. As we always do, it was the Chargers and the Raiders, Ryan. The Chargers outlasted Las Vegas 30-27 to behind Justin Herbert. 314 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Also had that rushing touchdown as a cherry on the top for dynasty managers everywhere as a kickoff to uh, semifinal weekend. And Herbert just keeps impressing. He's moving up dynasty rankings week in and week out, it seems. Yeah, he absolutely is. Had had another big game. He, he had slowed down a little bit there uh, for a couple weeks, so it was good to see uh, somewhat of a bounce-back game for him against the Raiders. Uh, Herbert had over 300 yards. As you mentioned, that's the seventh 300-yard game for him, which breaks Andrew Luck's record for 300-yard games by a rookie. And he also tied Baker Mayfield's uh, record for passing touchdowns. Uh, it's crazy to think that, that Baker Mayfield has that record. But uh, they both now have 27, I believe it is. So expect Herbert to break that uh, break that record and, and own it on his own for uh, a next week of course and i'm just thinking i'm looking at our latest adp he's quarterback six in that adp data he's quarterback eight in our current rankings over at dlf and really just wondering if that's actually too low he's behind russell wilson behind deshaun watson lamar jackson uh could could we put herbert maybe as high as three potentially well i think ryan that you know, there's the obvious guy at the top with Patrick Mahomes, and then you get into that Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson tier of players. And personally, I think after Mahomes, there's a tier break, and then I still feel like Lamar deserves to be in that second tier with Kyler Murray and feel that that's a tier on along all by itself as well. Right after that, you start talking about the Josh Allens and the Dak Prescotts, Herbert and Wilson, who you mentioned, Watson, and those guys can all be bunched together. I don't think anybody's going to gonna blame you for having, um, 
having Herbert as high as four. And maybe there's a case to be made that you could take Herbert over Lamar Jackson at three. But going beyond that feels a little aggressive for me. Yeah, that's probably fair. And and one thing that a lot of those players have in common, which we're really just seeing uh, quarterbacks continue to to move in this direction, is uh, the ability to add fantasy points on the ground. Uh, One thing I I noticed is that uh, quarterbacks as of this week now have over 100 rushing touchdowns uh, combined this this season, which is, uh, I I believe it's an all-time record. It's certainly the most uh, since the year 2000 uh, and the most really by, by a pretty significant margin. So as I said, we're continuing to see rushing quarterbacks take over and, and Herbert can add something on the ground. He's got, uh, he's got 200 rushing yards this season and, and four scores, but uh, certainly not in the, uh, in, in that realm with Murray and Jackson and, and even Watson or, or Josh Allen. Uh, Mahomes even has, close to 300 rushing yards. So it's, it's, it's just a, a different category. And, and maybe that's actually one thing that could keep Herbert down in that five, six, seven range. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that for sure. We have to always remember that Herbert isn't one of these uh, six foot quarterbacks with lots and lots of speed. Instead, he's 237 pounds and, and is six, six. So he's a bigger target out there doesn't necessarily need to put those hits on his body and doesn't have to because of that cannon for an arm that he has. He hasn't carried the ball more than five times in a game except for in week seven against Jacksonville when he ran nine times for 66 yards in a score. Outside of that, you see a lot of rushing lines, two carries for 11 yards, four for 10, three for 15, those types of games. He does tuck it when he needs to, but his rushing appeal is down at the goal line because he's a big guy and can get you a rushing score from time to time. And then because he's young, he, he's a, a 22 years old. And these guys, when they come into the league, they're very athletic. I think most projections would say that later on in his career, he'll be a traditional pocket passer who can move his feet a little bit to create some space to find a throwing lane, but not necessarily a guy that's going to do a lot with his legs to gain a lot of fantasy points, at least from a yardage perspective. Uh, other points from this game, maybe to take away Hunter Henry had a nice game. That was a good thing to see Ryan five catches, 65 yards and a score. And then because of the Keenan Allen, he was nicked up. Mike Williams is banged up week in and week out. It seems they had to rely on some other guys, Jalen Guyton four for 91, uh, Tyrone, Tyron Johnson, three for 61 and a touchdown with these guys. They're, they're most likely just, uh, just wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours on an NFL roster, and they're going to have these games from time to time, probably not necessarily on the dynasty radar except for in deeper 25-plus man rosters with 12 owners. Yeah, that's why I, where I am with both uh, Johnson and Guyton as well. Both have, have impressed at times this year, but, yeah, they're, they're still just deep stashes. They're, they're wide receiver threes on this team, uh, Plus, you throw in Hunter Henry and Eckler in there, and and they're pretty far down the pecking order when everyone is healthy. On the Raiders' side of things, Darren Waller had a big game, 9 for 150 and a score. Josh Jacobs got into the end zone, carried it 26 times, just 76 yards. If not for that one big run, he really had a 
had a relatively lackluster day. Uh, also three catches for 38 yards. Derek Carr is perhaps the biggest news here. Ryan coming out of this ball game, injured in the game, questionable whether how, how available he's going to be going forward. But Marcus Mariota, a guy who is signed as a priority free agent for Las Vegas, comes in in relief, 226 yards through the air, a passing touchdown, did throw one pick, but nine for 88 and a rushing touchdown, Ryan. There was a lot of, you know, you're known as a Twitter guy. You you, you keep your uh, fingertips on the pulse of what the dynasty uh, the uh, dynasty managers are thinking of these players. And there was a lot of buzz around Marcus Mariota on Thursday night and into Friday and really into the weekend. People thinking maybe he's still one of the top 32 quarterbacks in this league. Is there some long-term super flex upside with Marcus Mariota? I think there could be. And, and for whatever reason, Raiders fans, it seems, and or some Raiders fans, I guess I should say, and and dynasty players as well, are, are always looking for a reason to get rid of Derek Carr, replace Derek Carr, and um, I, I don't know, I, I don't think that contract makes that uh, likely necessarily that that this would be Carr's final season with the Raiders, uh, but you have to be encouraged by what they saw from from Mariota and. I mean, in Superflex leagues, he, he should already be rostered, I, I would imagine, in in most of those. But, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed by what I saw. I mean, he kind of left on uh, left a bad taste in our mouth after the beginning of his season last year in in Tennessee. So it was it was good to see this play from him. With most dynasty managers, it's a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Mariota. He came in with such high expectations and, to be completely honest, disappointed. So those that had him uh, on a roster are probably staying away. Those that have never owned or or managed a team with Marcus Mariota saw that as a glass-half-full type of game and, and maybe some potential for a future roster spot on their team. Either way... As the offseason progresses, depending on the news, what's happening in Vegas, there might be an opportunity to grab Mariota and put him on the end of your roster, and it wouldn't be the worst thing to do. Let's move on to the Saturday games. So the Thursday game was a great one, Ryan, but on Saturday, not so much. Uh, unless you have Josh Allen on your roster, 359 yards, two passing touchdowns, also 33 rushing yards and two rushing scores for Allen and the Bills 48-19 to win over Denver. Stephon Diggs was brilliant. 11 catches, 147 yards. Also, Cole Beasley made another appearance. Eight catches for 112. PPR monster here of late. The Bills really trounced the Broncos, Ryan. There's, there wasn't a lot of positives on the Denver side of things. Eight catches for 68 yards and a score for Noah Fant. That's nice. Melvin Gordon, 11 for 61 and two touchdowns. So if you needed him, I guess he came through. Also added four catches for 20 yards. Um, the Bills look like a real contender. The Broncos, on the other hand, things are falling apart for them. Yeah, they really are. Of course, there was a lot of uh, a lot of Buffalo Bill talk that that win also uh, sewed up the division for them, which which is a big deal. Uh, first time in, in a long time for them. Uh, and they, they are definitely contenders. But at the same time, we're talking about a, a pretty bad Broncos defense and also one that is playing without some of their best players who are uh, injured or suspended. So uh, I, 
I'm not taking too much out of that game from the Buffalo side. Glad they got that convincing win. Josh Allen, like you said, was great. Uh, on the Buffalo side, I'm pretty frustrated with Jerry Judy. Uh, saw five targets, which was uh, the second most on the team. Only caught one pass for 19 yards. He's only been a top 30 fantasy wide receiver one time all season. And it really is kind of reminding me of Cortland Sutton's rookie season because he too came in uh, into his career with a lot of hype as, as Jerry Judy did. And when Emmanuel Sanders went down with that injury, Sutton had the chance to be the wide receiver one uh, for, for Denver and, and really just did not, uh, did not perform as expected. And, and, you know, we can pass that off on, on being a rookie or, or whatever the situation the, the Broncos have not had good quarterback play for a while now. So that could be part of the reason for both Judy and, and even Sutton a couple of years ago, but Judy has just really been, just been awful. Honestly, a 45% catch rate, uh, along with AJ green, who's just slightly ahead of him. Those two are the only players who have seen at least 40 targets, but are under 50% catch rate. Uh, Judy is still the wide receiver 20 in ADP. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people calling him a buy low, which uh, I'm, I, I thought I was on board with that, but I think the price uh, might be still too high uh, compared to what he's done on the field. Yeah. With the exception of his big breakout game in week nine against Atlanta, uh, when they were on the road, seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. Uh, you're right. He's been very disappointing. Hasn't made the type of impact a lot of us expected, especially after the sudden injury. There's a lot of the the Judy truthers that will point to the quarterback play and point to the offense in general as a reason, but I have a lot of the same concerns I was working on my last kind of set of rookie rankings from this class before we move on to 2021 after the NFL season is over, Ryan. And and I continued to rank Judy pretty high in the – I think I had him at four among the wide receivers. And the more I've thought about it, the, even watching that game on Saturday afternoon, I thought uh, maybe I need to revisit that. He's uh, He's got a long ways to go to become the guy that we expected – but that guy is an electrifying playmaker that can turn uh, a simple slant into an 80-yard touchdown. He can get over the top, and he can uh, he can be a dynamic weapon close to the line of scrimmage as well. And those kind of players are difficult to find. There's a reason Jerry Judy was one of the top receivers taken in the draft, and, and so many people loved him coming out of Alabama. Let's move on to the other game from Saturday, Ryan. It was the Packers 24 and the Panthers 16. Green Bay jumped out to a big lead, scored three touchdowns on their first three drives and never visited pay dirt. Again, Aaron Aaron Jones was the star of the game, really, for the Packers. 20 carries, 145 yards, and a score. Also caught three passes in the game. Jones got 20 of the 22 running back carries in the game, Ryan. Pretty impressive workload considering what they've seen in the past. Makes you think about what how he's going to be used down the stretch here as they try to wrap up that number one seed and, and maybe as they get into the playoffs if Aaron Jones is going to be leaned on a little bit more heavily than he has uh, to this point in the season. Also, Aaron Rodgers, uh, 145 passing yards, one touchdown, luckily had a rushing score as well to save his game. Uh, your thoughts on this Packers offense, I guess, in general. Tunyon caught a touchdown. 
Devontae Adams was stymied. He was pretty much double teamed the whole game, seven catches for 42 yards. Uh, as we enter championship week, as we enter the off season, what is there to what's the biggest takeaway with this Green Bay offense? Well, the story is both in this game and for the off season coming up is is definitely going to be all about Aaron Jones. Uh, you talked about uh, how he dominated carries. Uh, he also dominated the snaps. He played 56 snaps. Jamal Williams just played four. That was it. We we usually see Williams really eating into Jones' workload, which is which is always the frustrating part about having Jones in your lineup. And that was not the case this week. Uh, AJ Dillon actually played more sna- more snaps than Williams. Uh, just one more. Dillon played five. So, uh, yeah, Jones Jones is the the big story here. The story heading into that game, I think. Uh, and I know you know about this as a Packers fan, is that he also hired a new agent. And with both Jones and Williams uh, being set to enter free agency this offseason, like I said, that's going to be the story of the offseason. Can they keep keep Jones on this team? Or do they even have to franchise him? We'll see how, you know, sometimes that gets ugly. Uh, I think certainly Jamal Williams is – is gone and and they're just setting up AJ Dillon to play that role. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. The other position of note here is Tunyon. He caught his 10th touchdown of the season in the game on Saturday, Ryan currently tight end 15 among rankings on DLF. Uh, I was going through my rankings and how I, how I tiered these guys and I have them a little bit higher mainly because he's that red zone threat and he's attached to Aaron Rodgers in that offense, but how high? What's the ceiling for Robert Tunyon? Twenty-six years old, really breakout season in his third season in the NFL this year. Uh, come out of nowhere. Once you get past the Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, Waller, then through the Hawkinson and Fant and Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry, maybe even Dallas Goddard. There's there's not a not a very positive group of a, a, a group that that makes you very excited about putting them in your lineup when you get to Mike Gusecki and Johnu Smith is is Robert Tunyon a tight end one as we enter the offseason that's what I was gonna say I think he's probably in that lower end uh tight end one range in our ADP from December he's tight end 15 uh, but he's behind Hayden Hurst and, and Zach Ertz I think he's uh, he certainly should be ahead of those guys um, so that puts him, that would put him at tight end 13. And then he's in the conversation with Irv Smith and Johnny Smith and Gasecki, as you mentioned. So yeah, I, I kind of think that's, that's where we are with him. And, uh, we seem, we as dynasty players seem to be pretty slow to come around on these, these breakout players. And, and I'm not talking about rookies that were first round dynasty rookie picks, but true breakout players. Tanya was, was not on a roster. He was not on on dynasty rosters really most of the offseason, even until we got close to the season, unless maybe you're a Packers fan. I know you had him stashed on a few leagues, but in general, this is not a player that, that there was a lot of talk about. And um, we'll, we'll talk later about another tight end kind of in that same conversation. I think they both should be in the low-end tight end one category. Yeah, I, I think he belongs there, at least in the conversation, for sure. That tight end, that touchdown upside is something that we need to get 
get on board with really because week in and week out, Ryan, you, you do that tweet that here are the top 12 tight ends uh, or the or the top 12 at every position, and it's just full of the guys who scored touchdowns. And if you got a guy on your roster that scores 10 in a season, double-digit touchdowns go a long ways. Of course, Jay Sternberger's is lurking there, and a lot of us as dynasty managers have a little bit of love for him as well. We'll see how that plays out, but it certainly seems like Tunyon has some upside even in the long term. Other things from this game, DJ Moore had a nice game, six catches for 131. Probably the lone bright spot, really, in Carolina. The last thing I did want to say is because of the Saints' loss and the Rams' loss on Sunday, the Packers are only a win away from clinching the number one seed. Potential for maybe Jordan Love in Week 17. You never know. Uh, A lot of dynasty managers would like to see what they invested in there. So uh, next, let's get... On to the Sunday games, Ryan. We need to talk about the Colts and the Texans. Indianapolis wins 27-20 to behind Jonathan Taylor. 16 carries, 83 yards, and a score. Also caught four passes. JT is taking over that backfield, and he is winning fantasy managers' um, titles, it seems, Ryan. Another nice game for JT. Yeah, another big game for him. Uh, 83 yards, rushing, and a touchdown. Uh, also saw, uh, saw some work in the passing game. Um, five targets, four catches, only 12 yards, but uh, actually saw more targets and and receptions than Naheem Hines. So that's a a good thing. Hines just had five carries compared to the 16 for Taylor. So this is, this is just continuing what we had hoped to see really all season and really not a whole lot to add on to what we talked about last week. I think Taylor will, uh, will end up as a first round dynasty startup pick this off season. Yeah, he's looked good the last few weeks. Uh, nice to see him get in the end zone once again. Also, Zach Pascal caught five passes, two of them for scores for the Texans. Uh, Watson was good, 373 and two touchdowns. David Johnson caught 11 passes, went over 100 yards. So that's the good old David Johnson from year one, year two, and year three when he was a top five startup pick as well. What about that? Uh, the quarterback situation in Indianapolis, Ryan? Phillip Rivers having a really a nice season honestly doing what they need him to do but another older quarterback what's the long-term perspective for the Indianapolis quarterback position yeah I'm starting to wonder the same thing and and this in Rivers case doesn't necessarily have a lot of dynasty impact uh, directly because of it you know based on him I mean we're not you're not starting Philip Rivers every week hopefully although he he has produced he's He's been a top 16 fantasy quarterback in five straight games entering this week. And even more importantly, and and kind of why we're having this discussion is the Colts have won five out of their last six, putting them in, uh, in real playoff contention now with, with 10 wins. So I just start to wonder if, if rivers is going to get a chance to, uh, to keep that job going into 2021, he signed the big deal. I believe it was just a one year contract. Uh, and, what I've kind of been assuming, and, and I think what a lot of people have, is that he'll move on or, or maybe even retire, and the Colts will figure out the quarterback position all over again this offseason. But the way he's playing, maybe maybe he sticks it out again. I, I don't know that that would be great news for Michael Pittman and if you want to throw T.Y. Hilton or Paris Campbell, whoever whoever you're, you're looking at on the Colts roster. I, I don't think Rivers there is, is a great news for their ceiling. I, I, 
it, you know, it's not cold water or anything. The the Indianapolis Colts, they, they play in a division with three of the worst pass defenses in the league with Jacksonville, uh, Tennessee, and Houston all in the bottom six in in passing defense. He, he's had the easiest schedule uh, for, for schedule-adjusted scoring in the league. Um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons not to want Phillip Rivers back in Indianapolis next year. We'll see how that plays out. I'd like to see Carson Wentz land in Indianapolis. Get him over there somehow. That'd be a nice fit for sure. Uh, how about the Titans? They handled the Lions 46-25. to Ryan Tannehill just destroyed me in one league. He, they were up big. Just give it to Henry, my guy. Stop throwing touchdowns, Ryan Tannehill. He keeps scoring. 273, three touchdowns. Also 21 yards rushing and two rushing scores. One of the top scoring quarterbacks in fantasy this week. Derrick Henry did do his 147 in a score. Corey Davis was good, caught four for 110 and a score as well. So from a Titans perspective, Ryan, what'd you take away here? Really looking at Corey Davis continues to, to play well. Uh, this was um, uh, another big game for him. He's, he's currently the wide receiver eight with a couple games to go. In this week, that would be his third game of the season as as wide receiver eight or better, and the uh, the Titans have uh, basically made him a free agent. They they passed up the chance to uh, pick up that fifth year option, which is definitely understandable based on what Davis had shown coming into the season. But now David now he's going to be a free agent and. I think if I've got Davis on my dynasty roster, I want him to somehow stay in Tennessee. I like what they've got going there. Uh, if he goes, and uh, I think Matt maybe even mentioned this a couple weeks ago, or, or I don't know, it, it was it was on some po- I heard it on some podcast that if Davis goes somewhere and you're looking at him as the wide receiver one uh, rather than the the one B or the or the second option, I don't think that's going to be great for him. Uh, so I, I would love for Davis to stay in Tennessee next year. Yeah, we've already seen that that movie. We know how that one ends. When Corey yeah. Davis is the number one, he tends to struggle. When there's somebody taking the coverage away, he gets one-on-ones, and he can win those with uh, above-average route running and, and enough quickness to gain some separation, especially in that intermediate range on those crossing routes and, and such. So Davis has looked good. A.J. Brown was the also scored a touchdown, five catches for 44 in this game. In the Titans win for the Lions, though, DeAndre Swift, 15 opportunities on the ground, turned that into 67 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Should have had a third, Ryan, but got the ball knocked out and lost a fumble in that one. Caught four passes as an outlet. Swift continues to really carry the heavy workload here, working more than Adrian Peterson or anybody else in that backfield and has looked good doing it behind a below average offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely fair to say. And in my notes, I, I at first wrote Deandre Swift breakout game. And uh, I was glad to see him get that goal line work. Even, even after he fumbled the first one, uh, they, they went back to him two more times. Uh, but then the more, the more I thought about it and kind of looked at his numbers, it, it's not a breakout game. It's just kind of another solid performance for him. He's actually been the RB 17 or better. So we're talking mid range RB two in fantasy. He's been the RB 17 or better in eight of his past nine games, the consistency we love to see. And, and he's starting to show 
that that upside and that ceiling as well. Uh, 15 carries for him, just six for Adrian Peterson, uh, and and no touches for Carryon Johnson in this one. So uh, it's kind of the same story that we've we've talked about with Jonathan Taylor and. Uh, we would we would say of J.K. Dobbins, we would say of Cam Akers, that these these rookie running backs just slowly continue to take over their backfields. You mentioned Taylor as a first round startup pick. Swift belongs in the conversation, no doubt. Yeah, he's actually already in that range. In our latest ADP from December, he's nine overall. He's the RB five. He's the first rookie ahead of Taylor, Dobbins, Edwards Alaire. Uh, ahead of all the rookie wide receivers as well. Uh, I was I was a little surprised to see that, but um, it, certainly in the conversation, if you want to talk about anywhere from uh, eight overall, eight or nine overall where he is to kind of the end of that second round range, he, he's going to, uh, I'd say, float in that range uh, really all offseason. Nice to see all these rookies moving up. Uh, after the middle of the season, we were talking about maybe there was a little bit too much disappointment among the group that had so much upside coming into the NFL draft and into the season. Let's talk about the Buccaneers, their win against the Falcons. They came from behind to win 31-27. to Brady threw for 390-2. and Fournette found Pater twice. Mike Evans had a game, six catches for 110 yards. Antonio Brown got his as well, five for 93 and a score. Chris Godwin, though, just four catches. Not a lot of looks in this offense. That seems to be the trend lately, Ryan. He did get in the end zone on a short touchdown pass, but four catches for 36 yards, we had higher expectations than that, especially coming in against Atlanta. Yeah, that matchup kind of gets you excited when when you're looking at that. The, the pass catchers for Tampa Bay, uh, especially Godwin, who was who was so so good last year in, in that big breakout year. He was a wide receiver one five times last year. He's only done it one time this season. And uh, when the offense adds uh, Antonio Brown and adds Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette, who's who's played that pass catching running back role, uh, you know the you know the targets are going to take a hit and the production's going to take a hit. We all knew that with with Godwin and and Evans as well, uh, but it's it's still been frustrating and it, it has to be frustrating for Godwin himself, who is also set to be a free agent. And I, I again I've assumed there that Tampa Bay would do whatever they could do, whatever they had to do to lock him up and and keep him there with this wide receiver market and the wide receiver uh, rookie class that we're looking at, I'm not sure they pay him big bucks. I I could see them letting Godwin go and uh, using a draft pick just to replace him. Yeah. And that could be, that could be nice for some quarterback out there that needs a bona fide number one weapon because Godwin has proven he could be that guy for sure. There's another number one type wide receiver on that field. On the other side of things, Kelvin Ridley, 10 catches for 163 and a score, just doing his thing with or without Julio. It doesn't matter. Uh, Ridley gets it done once again. Matt Ryan did throw three touchdowns, which was nice to see for those that needed him. With Julio out, Ryan regularly disappoints. He did not on Sunday. Uh, the Ravens, they blasted the Jaguars 40-14. to 14. Lamar Jackson, 243-3, and three, threw a pick, but 10 carries for 35 and a rushing score. He was good. J.K. Dobbins, he did his thing, kind of, 14 for 64 and a touchdown, only caught one for 17, but at least he got into the end zone. Then Marquise Brown, Ryan, 
six for 98, almost scored a touchdown to keep his streak alive, but looked pretty good after the last few weeks where if not for one big play, he would have looked relatively bad. Yeah, Brown is finally starting to to come around. Uh, I don't want to say live up to preseason expectations because those expectations were pretty high, but uh, a month ago or so he went through a four-game stretch where he was the wide receiver 52 or worse in those four yeah. games. Over the past four games, he's been the wide receiver 31 or better. So we're still still not seeing those, those big-time ceiling games where he's a, a top-10 guy. But over the past month, he has given you that, um, that fantasy starter production that we were expecting all season. So uh, that, is, that is definitely good to see. He's recouping a little bit of his, his value. Mark Andrews also found the end zone. Welcome back to the end zone, end zone, Mr. Andrews. Five catches for 66, helping out dynasty managers as well. I tried to find something positive to say about the Jaguars, Ryan, because my mom taught me if you're not going to say anything nice, don't say anything at all. The Jets won. So the Jaguars have a better chance at the number one pick. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, guys. And Monkey Knife Fight are, is giving you free money and free Dynasty football content with an initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of $10 in that deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and you're going to receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This also is a good offer for those of you that are already members and want to extend your current DLF annual memberships by a year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match that initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. They feature foot baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and so much more. You're going to find plenty of entertaining contest options. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary cap. So if you can correctly predict the outcome, you're going to be guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At Monkey Knife Fight, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other daily fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and your free DLF premium membership only at monkeyknifefight.com. The Dolphins, they locked up, or I guess they locked out the Patriots from the playoffs this year, Ryan. 22-12, to 12, they win. Uh, Savan Ahmed, 23 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown. He was good. Once again, uh, Tua, while he wasn't that great through the air, 145 yards and a pick, he scored twice on the ground, so that's positive. What, what are your thoughts of this Dolphins offense? Because while Ahmed looked good, it seems like whoever's back there, when they're getting 20, 25 attempts every game, they look pretty good. Yeah, it's hard to take away too much from this game for Miami outside of, outside of Tua. Basically, all of their other key players were out of the lineup. Uh, Gaskin, Gasecki, uh, Parker, and, and of course, Preston Williams has been out for a while. Uh, We've, we've talked about Bowden the past couple weeks, and he had a, a fine game, but uh, I would kind of start to wonder the same thing about Savan Ahmed. Can he be uh, a long-term asset for the Dolphins? You look at their running back position, and uh, Miles Gaskin has, has played well, but he's been in and out of that lineup, and uh, Ahmed has played just as well when he's been given a chance. Actually, his 100-yard game today, 122 yards, 
that's the first 100-yard rusher for the Dolphins in over two years. Uh, it was actually Kalen Balage in mid-December 2018 was the last to go over 100 yards for Miami. So uh, Ahmed's certainly cheap, as is Miles Gaskin. He's on a, on a they're both on team-friendly deals and can be can be retained pretty easily going forward. So just kind of wonder what that backfield's like. Ahmed is a guy who might even still be on waiver wires in, in some dynasty leagues. Yeah, and you, you mentioned some of the other options in that Miami backfield. The, the I think the takeaway for me is probably that there isn't a clear leader. So at the very least, Ahmed has his name in the in the ring to be that guy in the future. Now, there's always the potential that they draft the next running back this offseason. But considering the price, and especially if you're in one of those leagues where he could be on a waiver wire or available for as low as a third-round pick, those that like that no running back, back uh, a zero running back theory that he seems to fit that mold because if and when he does get his opportunity whether this year or next year or beyond that it feels like with that coach with that uh, offense they're committed to running the football and he fits into the system no doubt for the Patriots not a lot of positives here either Jacoby Myers though seven catches 111 yards uh, has led the team in targets over the last two months um, well, he hasn't. Um, well, he hasn't really had those blast off games that really carried any dynasty managers. This is probably his best game in the last four or five weeks. He gets targeted more than any other player on the team. Has the highest target share among anybody else on the team, and kind of came through this week. Seven catches, 111 yards. If if there's a better quarterback, a better passing quarterback, at least under center, Ryan, is there some upside in the long term with Jacoby Myers, or is he just the best guy that's there right now, so they have to throw him the ball? Yeah, I think there's a little upside. He flashed last year as well and, and has been even more consistent this year. And it's it's really kind of the same conversation as Ahmed or, or Gaskin, if you want to throw throw him in there, that Myers is a cheap answer for New England in a spot where they have a lot of questions. Uh, who knows if if um, Julian Edelman will be back next year. Nikhil Harry continues to disappoint. So if you tell me to ask me to predict who the 2021 wide receiver one for the Patriots is, I don't really think it's Myers, but he would be my, my first guess. Uh, and, and they definitely will have a, a quarterback upgrade there, or at least, a, like you said, a, a better passer, I would think. It, it would be hard to get much worse than what we've seen from Cam Newton lately. Oh, no doubt. Uh, speaking of passers that need a little help, uh, Mitchell Trubisky got a win against the Vikings. He's been pretty good on lately. Sunday. Come on. Yeah, he has for sure. The Bears win 33 to 27. It was mostly David Montgomery, though. 32 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns, one catch for 16 as well. David Montgomery really. Ryan outdueled Delvin Cook. They held the ball. He ran well. He scored twice. And op- as we all know, opportunity is king when it comes to running backs in fantasy football. David Montgomery is getting it. I think it's the easy way out to say this. He's an obvious sell this offseason. I-, I doubt he gets the same kind of workload, especially if there's a new general manager, a new coach in Chicago. And that's that's possible, maybe even probable at this point. If the Bears don't get into the playoffs, get kind of sneak in the back door, 
What are your thoughts on Montgomery at this point? He's carrying a lot of dynasty managers right now. Uh, finding the end zone with regularity, getting 30 touches certainly helps that, though. What are your thoughts on Montgomery? Yeah, another another monster game from Montgomery. He's now scored 24 fantasy points or more in four straight games. He's the only running back to do that this year. Not Dalvin Cook, not Derrick Henry, not Alvin Kamara. It's David Montgomery who's done that. And fantasy players throw around that term league winner a lot, uh, way too often, especially early in the season, trying to figure out who those league winners will be. Uh, I didn't I didn't see too many people calling David Montgomery a league winner, but uh, doing what he's done leading up to the fantasy playoffs and now in the fantasy playoffs, he is going to be on a lot of championship teams uh, across the fantasy football world. So it's definitely been very impressive. But in the end, I agree with you. He, he is a sell. This is by far, by far, by far the best he's ever played. Four of his best five games of his career have come in the past four games, the past month, uh, and, the, and the price continues to go up. I, I told you I had some trade data that Matt would normally have for us. Um, some recent trades involving David Montgomery. Montgomery for Michael Pittman and a second. What do you think? Yep. <laughs> Fired up. You're taking that? Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> if you like that, you'll like the rest of these even better. Montgomery and DJ Chark for Derrick Henry. Absolutely. And Montgomery even up for Joe Mixon. Oh, my goodness. You're stealing with David Montgomery. (laughs) These guys are getting these deals because somebody needs David Montgomery for a playoff run right now, and they obviously don't need Joe Mixon. I don't think those are on the table in the postseason or or in the NFL postseason uh, or in the offseason. We're probably looking at a relatively big cliff drop for David Montgomery's trade value once the season, the week 16 ends, Ryan. I think I agree. So you're, you're not just saying trade him. You're saying trade him right now. If you can. Yeah. Trade him now. If you can it, it by any way necessary, if you have to wait till the off season, you're not going to get that deal. There is still a market for him. I think in most leagues though, because of this workload and everybody seems to know that David Montgomery is, is going off and carrying owners. Uh, for the Vikings in this matchup, Ryan, Delvin Cook, I mentioned his game. He was pretty good himself. 24 carries, 131, and a score. Also caught five passes in the game. But it's really the receivers that bring the headlines. Adam Thielen caught the touchdown, but on just three targets. Justin Jefferson, that's the guy. He's the new new kid on the block. Eight catches, 104 yards, just doing it again at week in and week out seems like Justin Jefferson outscores Adam Thielen and he's just screaming up startup uh ADP data and and up up want lists in trades you can't trade for Justin Jefferson right now no no the and and the price is going to keep going up of course as as dynasty players it's really easy for us to get wrapped up and and get excited about these young players who come in and, and make a quick impact. But sometimes we lose sight of, of the safety and, and the reliability of those veteran players. Um, I mean, like, for example, I, I think about your guy in Atlanta, Calvin Ridley. For the past couple years, I've been saying that I would want Ridley over Julio Jones. And, and for a while, that kind of seemed like a hot take. If you're doing that in this situation, it is not a hot take. Jefferson is already outproducing Thielen. Uh, Thielen's got got the touchdowns. He's got 13 compared to uh, seven for Jefferson. 
but in every other every other counting stat for the the season, uh, this is Jefferson's uh, Jefferson's team really over a hundred targets, seventy three catches, eleven hundred eighty two yards, and, and that was all just coming into today. I believe he's the wide receiver seven in ADP, the wide receiver six in our rankings, and I think that's probably too low. You're you're looking at a guy who's uh, maybe a top three or four dynasty wide receiver right now. Yeah, and and just I, I mentioned unattainable. You look at the look at the trade tool and try to find something that you want for Justin Jefferson, and they're just not happening. Nobody's. Why would you trade Justin Jefferson at this point unless you're getting a a king's ransom? And and I don't blame anybody for asking for it for the kind of upside that he's showing every single week. Allen Robinson also caught four passes for 83 yards for the Bears. He need we need to free Allen Robinson, get him on a Same. team with a good quarterback. Very soon. Another one of those names. Yeah, I think I'm excited about the offseason for Allen Robinson. I think he's one of the top storylines because he is going to be a free agent. Um, just crossing my fingers and, and knocking on wood and everything else I can do, hoping that they don't franchise tag him because he's going to have the chance to go wherever he wants. He's he's had that opportunity in the past and chose chose poorly, unfortunately. Poorly. For him. <laughs> but he's he's going to have the chance to go wherever he wants. I imagine he'll be making that decision uh, largely based on who the quarterback of that team is. And I, I can't wait to see him with a real quarterback. Oh, me too. You're preaching to the choir, buddy. Uh, the Seahawks beat the football team 20 to 15. Russell Wilson, just 121 passing yards threw a touchdown, added 52 rushing yards. That wasn't what we expected. We, early this season when Russell Wilson was the MVP favorite and carrying dynasty managers to wins every single week because of the struggles through the air, DK Metcalf, just five for 43 Tyler Lockett, four for 34. That Washington defense is good. Ryan, definitely better than most of us expected coming into the season, but this is kind of ridiculous. It's been happening for weeks now. Are we starting to lose faith in the Seahawks passing game, not only for the rest of this season in championship week, but also potentially in the future? Uh, I don't think so. Well, maybe maybe for the rest of this season, uh, what, what's left of it, because this is the trend we've seen from Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They, they slow down as the season goes along. It, it happened last year, uh, and, and here we are again. Wilson did have the big game. Last week against the Jets, he ended up as the QB8. Uh, but other than that uh, friendly matchup, he has not been any higher than quarterback 12 since week 8. So we're talking about now seven straight games, six of the past seven. He's been uh, outside of that top 10 range after being a top 14 quarterback in, in every single game to start the season the first two months. So, uh, again, it, it's just what they do. Um I don't think this hurts the value of of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett very much, although it does obviously hurt their production uh, on the field. And um, yeah, it it's just going to become a a weekly decision on those guys. Where earlier in the season they were locked in lineups. 
Yeah, we have to adjust the expectation for sure. Russell Wilson next week, he gets the Rams, the only team to hold him out of the end zone this year back in week 10. Uh, didn't throw a passing touchdown, didn't rush for a touchdown, had his worst fantasy game of the year, and we got to decide if we want him in our lineups in championship weeks. We're going to be looking for for pivots for sure. Uh, for Washington, this football team, Ryan, has a, a weapon in somebody that a lot, kind of like Robert Tunyon that we talked about earlier, somebody we didn't expect, a, a quarterback just a couple of years ago, Logan Thomas, 13 catches and 101 yards against that Seattle secondary that just bleeds points to everybody. Logan Thomas was the best weapon on the field and looks like a long-term asset for dynasty managers that scooped him up. Yeah, I think so. And, and this is the player I was... Uh, hinting at during the the Tunyon conversation, 15 catches, I'm sorry, 15 targets, 13 catches, 101 yards. He's the tight end two on the week pending these uh, Sunday night, Monday night games. That's his seventh game this year as a top 10 uh, fantasy score at his position. And he's now the, t- uh, the tight end five for the season. Of course, the knocks on Thomas are, are that offense that he's a part of. He's producing despite that, uh, despite the quarterback play and, and the, just the overall uh, poor play of the entire offense. So he's another player. I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like with a quarterback upgrade next year. He is 29 years old. He's, he's that late breakout, the quarterback uh, position switch, as you said. So kind of, kind of in the Darren Waller mold, although um, on a, on a later track, I guess, than Waller, but, you know, lots of tread left on the tires there with Logan Thomas. So I think he can give us another year or two of production potentially. He's tied in 19 in ADP and still very, very cheap to acquire. And gets Carolina next week. So a chance to make another impression on dynasty managers everywhere. You mentioned the consistency. He's gotten so many opportunities of late and really nailed down that, that position on that football team. I, I expect him to be a player again next season. Nice to see these guys, even if it takes till 29 breakout, because we need help at the tight end position in our game. The Cowboys, uh, they beat the 49ers 41-33 to behind Tony Pollard, who finally got his big chance to shine. 12 carries, 69 yards, and two scores, Ryan. Also caught six passes for 63 yards. A dynamic running back in the Dallas backfield, the first time they've had that since Dak's injury. Uh, he looked really good. Yeah, he absolutely did. Scored over 31 fantasy points. Uh, I had to go back a couple of seasons before I uh, before I found a a game like that from Zeke Elliott. So it's not just uh, it's not just the struggles of this season and the offensive line and Dak being out. We we can't brush it all off to that. Uh, Pollard has shown a ceiling, showed a ceiling today that we haven't seen in a while from Zeke, uh, and this just takes us back to the contract discussions of, of Ezekiel Elliott and that contract of, he signed the big one last year it does not expire until 2027 uh, I had to I had to double check that I was I was so surprised and uh, I'm sure Cowboy fans are not feeling great about that right now it, it does seem like Dallas can get out of that contract but it's that's still a couple of years away so you just you just have to wonder how they're going to handle this of course, I do think um, I think Zeke will be fine next year if you can get everything kind of back in place. 
uh, Dak and, and this offensive line. I'm still not ready to give up on, on Zeke, but uh, it's just another reminder that those huge running back contracts are, are probably not a great idea for teams. Yeah, before we started the show, you, you mentioned retirement, uh, that so many people, some people will be retired before his contract is up. And I said, yeah, maybe maybe Zeke will be retired by then as well. Uh, I went and looked because, I, and maybe you mentioned this, I, I, I wasn't quite sure. Zeke's only 25, but we, you've been talking about tread on the tires and these guys that... Uh, that still have a lot to prove in the league. Zeke, he, he gets such a huge workload year in and year out has already been in the league for five seasons. And, you know, Pollard on the, on the other hand, even before this game where Pollard looks so good, Zeke was averaging 3.9 yards per carry behind this offensive line. Pollard in his limited opportunities, almost a full yard more than that. Uh, So Pollard, he has a little bit different game at the very least. You wonder if they need to mix him in just a little bit more. And and if there's an opportunity for Pollard to be a bigger part of this offense, even next season when Dak is back, he's a guy that you've liked for a long time, Ryan, for good reason. And now finally got an opportunity and really looked good on Sunday. Yeah. It's really been building up uh, over the past few weeks. Pollard had gotten more and more involved uh, really with each game. So I'm not, not going to say I saw a game like this coming from Pollard, uh, but I, I do think it makes sense to get him more involved. And w- with two games left, I, I don't know how serious that, that Zeke injury is, but um, well, I, I almost said they're out of the, out of the playoff hunt. That's actually not true. So I, I guess we'll see uh, how this, this NFC East goes and, and how they, how Dallas handles the, uh, the running back, workload moving forward yeah we'll see how that that plays out Zeke it's kind of a one of those things where you don't know exactly how banged up he is right now exactly how banged up he may have been over the last month or even two maybe the whole season he could come out running like the motivated runner that we've seen in the past breaking tackles running through those arm tackles uh maybe that happens next season and we forget this conversation but at the very least it's something to consider throughout the offseason and into next year the jets Man, they finally got their win, Ryan. 23 to 20 over the Rams of all teams. I looked for the the reason. I watched this game. Uh, it was their defense. The defense played really well. They got stops. They held the Rams to field goal attempts. Um, Sam Darnold threw a touchdown and had 18 rushing yards. Frank Gore had a big rushing touchdown, but 23 carries for 59 yards. The pass catchers on the Jets, nothing really to talk about all that much there. It was the defense. So let's talk about the Rams because that's probably where the where the takeaways are. Jared Goff, 209 and 2. Cam Akers had the workload this week once again, 15 carries for 63, but just one catch for negative 1 yards. Cam Akers is not part of the passing game. When we scouted him in the offseason, Ryan, that was a strength of his. He was supposed to be uh mixed in in the screen game, an outlet for Jared Goff, but that's just not happening. Um this affects his long-term value for sure, but we, we need to see him involved in that part of the game because he's good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, you know, I hope things change with, uh, when it comes to that and, and acres role uh, in the passing game. But uh, honestly, it's, it's just taken this long to even uh, 
get him in a position where he, he's getting real touches in the backfield at all. So uh, they do still have, uh, I mean, they've got Daryl Henderson, they've got um, Malcolm Brown. I, I think all three of those had, had just one reception on the day. So it's, it's not like they have that, that Naheem Hines type player that that's going to catch a ton of passes or, or James White or someone like that. So I, I, I do kind of feel like there's a window there for acres uh, to claim that, that workhorse role where he's controlling all three downs. Uh, but I, I, I think it'll probably be next year before we see something like that. Well, over, you know, over the last three weeks, he's been the workhorse. And the problem with that is he's had 65 carries for 312 yards, Ryan, and a touchdown, but only had four catches in, in, in the same uh, same three games. So while he's been on the field, while he's been the main back, he's just not getting that workload, and we need it in these PPR leagues. It caps his upside for sure. Uh, that big game against New England, 29 carries for 171, and everybody said if he would have scored, we would have had the big breakout that we wanted. Well, if he catches four or five passes, he provides the same thing. That didn't happen. Once again, this week, high expectations. 15 carries, 63 yards. Didn't find the end zone because he doesn't catch any passes. He's not going to be a wider, or excuse me, a running back one and going to battle to really be a running back two even. Robert Woods was the highlight among the pass catchers. Six catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Also had a jet sweep that went for 40 yards. So he 96 yards from scrimmage and a score. He's underrated, Ryan. You and I talked about him a few weeks ago. I think it was before a podcast, how I'm counting on Robert Woods in a lot of leagues. And I do that because he's so underrated. Not that many dynasty managers seem to value what Robert Woods brings. He's a speedy guy that knows how to get open. And the Rams like to use him on those jet sweeps and those tap passes, give him opportunities around the goal line, both as a runner and a receiver, and it provides a lot of value. He's going to be a solid wide receiver, too, once again this year. And even though he's a little bit up and down, he's a very valuable piece, and usually you can get him and plug him in as a wide receiver three on your roster. Yeah, Woods is just one of those guys who who's not flashy at all, uh, just a good, solid producer. Uh, you, you can count on him. Never, never really has... Uh, any issue with injury. I mean, just always out there. You talked about the, the end around. He, uh, he gets those rushing opportunities a handful of times a year and, and produces with those, but dynasty players just continue to, I won't say ignore him, but to, to kind of brush him off. And I've definitely been guilty of that myself as well. Uh, I was thinking about the, the Rams offense, uh, going into the off season and, and kind of like questions this team might face or potential changes for next year. And barring a surprise, I don't really think there's going to be any, they're locked in with golf. They're top two receivers. Uh, they've, they've got Higby there. They've got three running backs that can play, including acres who, um, who, who they've invested the, the draft capital in. I think they're just going to run it back next year. So not only is, is Woods, a uh, solid producer this year. It's going to be a lot of the same thing next year, I think. 
Yeah, he's been so solid. I mentioned he's a wide receiver, too. He's actually the wide receiver 11 in PPR leagues right now, or at least coming into this week, put up a nice game once again. And like I mentioned, a lot of times I've been getting him at high-end wide receiver three type prices and putting him in my lineup as a wide receiver three. 28 years old. There's still a lot of tread on those tires as well. He wasted all those years in Buffalo, and now he's being used the way he should. Uh I just thought we were looking for something to talk about in this game, Ryan. And Robert Woods is the guy I always like to talk about because he comes through for me on so many of my rosters. If we had to talk about anything with the Jets, anything else, I guess, Ryan, it'd probably be that conversation about the number one overall pick, what this win does for it. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's going to be really one of the big stories of this week and uh, and going into the next couple of weeks because now – the Jets and Jaguars are on even footing when it comes to their one loss record, uh, both with the one win. And um, I don't, I don't know all the numbers behind the the tiebreakers and strength of schedule, but uh, it, it seems like Jacksonville is now in position to to get that number one overall pick, which we have to assume means Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville, and it, it puts big question marks uh, on the Jets. You know, do they? Uh, do they like Justin Fields enough to take him at two overall, or would they go with an offensive lineman? And if they go with uh, with Sewell, who is uh, considered the top offensive lineman, does that mean, and I would assume that means, they would just keep Sam Darnold. So this, uh, this win really impacts the long-term uh, aspect, long-term future, long-term value of Trevor Lawrence, Sam Darnold, and Justin Fields, three Uh, Three pretty talented young quarterbacks. Yeah, and guys that those of us in Dovey Leagues have been thinking about for a long time. And that landing spot, who's the head coach in New York, all those things are going to be ironed out over the next handful of months. And um, we we're going to be the place to talk about it, I guess, Ryan. We'll we'll have lots of opportunities to try to dissect what's happening in New York and and with Trevor Lawrence and and Fields and all the rest of these prospects for sure. Interesting take though, and something to think about this week as all the talking heads talk about who got the number one pick, who's in line, what's going to happen uh, in, in the coming months. The Cardinals and Eagles played probably the, one of the best games of the weekend. Uh, Ryan Cardinals went 33 to 26 and it was a it was a show for those quarterbacks. Murray 406 yards and three passing touchdowns, also a rushing touchdown and 29 rushing yards. Jalen Hurts did his best to keep up, 338 yards and three passing touchdowns, added 63 and a rushing score as well. We've talked about Kyler Murray a lot, Ryan, and for good reason. But We talked about Jalen Hurts last week, and we were hoping he could get into that conversation as a rushing quarterback that can that can do enough passing to be in the conversation with Kyler Murray and and some of these other running dual threat quarterbacks. Hurts looked the part for sure on Sunday in Arizona, and and he dissected that defense at times, throwing the football, which is exactly what we wanted to see. Yeah, he, he he was so impressive. As as good as he was in that debut against New Orleans, I think he was even better uh, against the Cardinals today. Of course, we're talking about two different levels of defense, uh, Cardinals versus Saints, but uh, nonetheless, very, very impressive. After the game, Doug Peterson 
uh, actually refused to name a starting quarterback for next week. Give me a break. Which is, which is pretty comical. But, uh, of course, we know it's Jalen Hurts, and it's Jalen Hurts for the rest of the season. And I'm, I'm starting to believe it's Jalen Hurts for next year as well. Dan, I know you and I both talked last week um, in the same spot after that Saints game, Saints and Eagles game, and saying – Hertz is probably a top 20 quarterback now. We both did our rankings and, and we found ourselves putting him there. We were uh, in the middle, or I was in the middle of collecting our dynasty ADP at that same point. Jalen Hurts ends up as the quarterback 19 in our December ADP. But now that I look at some of the names ahead of him, Dan, I'm actually starting to wonder if, if he is already a QB1. Uh, so here's the names ahead of Jalen Hurts. Kirk Cousins. Oh, give me Hurts. Matt Ryan, Hurts. Daniel Jones, Hurts. Jared Goff. Hurts, I think. Okay, so that's – Goff is quarterback 15. So now that's that's kind of where we're getting into the conversation. Baker Mayfield is 14. Matthew Stafford is 13. Ryan Tannehill is 12. And Tua is 11. So – He's in that tier for sure. Right, he, no he's doubt. in that range already two games in. Uh, he's been so good. We talked about the the upside that those running quarterbacks give us, and we've seen it from Lamar Jackson. We've seen it from Josh Allen. You don't have to be uh, the best passer, the most accurate passer, to one, earn and keep a starting job in the NFL, and, and secondly, to make a big impact in fantasy football. So I, I'm – Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm ready to move Hertz up at least into that quarterback 15 range and, and that tier as a uh, low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Yeah, and, and I, I think it would take a lot to talk any dynasty manager into having him outside of that range at this point. Those names that you mentioned, uh, and I was I was chiming in, absolutely I'm taking Hertz over a few of them. He's, he's in the conversation, and what's great is he gets two more opportunities to prove the haters wrong, I guess. Uh, at Dallas in Week 16, then against the football team in Week 17 at home, and those games are going to mean a lot for Jalen Hurts, for dynasty managers everywhere that have him on rosters. He's, he's the leader in the clubhouse, at least at this point, to be the starting quarterback for them next year. And depending on what happens with the coaching staff and all those things, if 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 everything lines up, he could he could easily be one of the top twelve players picked not only in dynasty startups but also uh, also in redrafts because of that that upside that he creates with his legs and some of the passing that he did on Sunday just was so impressive, even against the uh, that Cardinals defense that does give it up uh, on a weekly basis. The D. Last thing we should mention here, DeAndre Hopkins had another nuke-type game, nine catches, 169 yards, and one of the best touchdown catches. Man, he has strong hands. He catches everything. That was that was pretty, that touchdown grab. Uh, last game we need to talk about here, Ryan. Chiefs and Saints, it was supposed to be one of the best games of the week, and it kind of was. It came down to the end a little bit. The Chiefs win by a field goal, 32-29. to Mahomes, 254-3. and Kelsey caught a touchdown, 8 for 68. Tyreek got in into the end zone as well, 6 for 53. Uh, that, that offense was playing one of the best defenses in the league. Still, all of them got theirs. Kansas, that, on the other side of things, 
That Kansas City defense, they played man almost exclusively in the game. And without Michael Thomas, Ryan, they the the Saints didn't have anybody that could get open. Drew Brees threw for 234 yards and three touchdowns, also threw the pick. But they were they were relying on little Jordan Humphreys to get open, and he had to jump over guys to get open and make nice catches. It's it's not looking that offense does not look good without Michael Thomas. Uh, creating separation underneath and and catching 10 balls a game. And, man, with Drew Brees looking a little rusty, it got off to a rough start. He did come back, but that offense it was a little shaky on Sunday. Yeah, the I mean, Drew Brees, he, he, get, he ends up with no passing yards in the first quarter. Um, the, the announcers were talking about how it was the worst start to a game of his career. Uh, I don't know how many pass attempts he – he actually uh, threw before he finally completed a pass, but it was uh, it was several. It was a rough start, looking old, looking uh, not at 100%. And the same can be said about a lot of those guys, and, and really it's the truth. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and, and Jared Cook, a couple of key members of that offense, these, these are just older players at the back end of their career, and uh, now the Saints have lost two in a row, and, and they go from looking like a, a strong contender in the NFC to uh, a team that could definitely lose in the first their first game of the playoffs, the first week of the playoffs. Uh, and really, it's just mostly frustrating for Alvin Kamara because he, he's the one that we have, have really the high expectations for, and uh, he seems to be kind of getting lost in, in the shuffle of this struggling offense. Yeah, luckily, Kamara did get into the end zone, just 11 carries for 54 yards, but caught a tap pass, three for 40, and got into the end zone. He has such great balance. Uh, most running backs go down near the pylon there, and he, he just kind of walked it into the end zone despite getting hit by multiple players. Uh, you mentioned that all these guys are aging. If this was a dynasty team, Ryan, you'd be tearing it down, right? Trading for future assets for sure. I, I would have done that already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll see what what that coaching staff, that front office, and everybody else in New Orleans does about it. What was nice, again, the Chiefs' offense, even against a great defense, everybody got theirs. They spread it out nicely. We should mention the CEH injury. That didn't look good. Not a lot of information out there just yet about that. Uh, also, Le'Veon Bell went down late, so there's going to be a little bit of a shakeup there. Uh, hopefully, Dynasty championships aren't decided because of that next week. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, Ryan. Uh, without Matt, we got through. Somehow we we worked our way through it. Uh, we hope to see Matt back once again next week. For Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week.